<laughs> okay, now we can start. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. If you build it, they will come. Joel, you seen that movie? You seen that movie, Joe? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 scores. Scope, yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Did Matt Peck yeah. get a signed copy of that book? No, Matt Peck, he didn't. No. No. I'll talk to D. Rose. Yeah, got you. Matt, well, you will be getting your book soon. <laughs> Kick back and get ready for the best hour of your day. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. And so all I was saying on this podcast, the Locked on Bulls podcast, Locked on Bulls starts now. The Locked on Bulls podcast. You can just see the vibe. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley. Love with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. Going to get right to it. We have a great guest on today and tomorrow's episode. So we did an hour interview. I should say, my lovely co-host Matt Peck did a great hour interview with Darnell Mayberry from The Athletic. We're going to let you guys hear the majority of the interview today, the first 30 minutes or so, and we're going to play the back 20 minutes for you guys on tomorrow's episode. So without further ado, here is Matt Peck and senior writer covering the Chicago Bulls for The Athletic, Darnell Mayberry. I just like the fact that uh, we have a relationship already. Right now, we're very pleased to welcome back to Locked on Bulls, one of our frequent guests, a guy we love chatting Bulls hoops and NBA hoops with. He is the Bulls senior writer for The Athletic athletic here in Chicago, which, by the way, you should subscribe to if you aren't already for their amazing content. And you can follow him on Twitter at Darnell Mayberry. He is Darnell Mayberry. Darnell, welcome back to the program, man. The last time we chatted, it was, I want to say, late February before the entire world went to shit. So how have you been hanging in since then? <laughs> uh, I like the description. Um, <laughs> it's, been, it's, it's been rough. Uh, you know, I had some moments there where you know, it was everything, all the negativity kind of consumed me. Uh, and, you know, I just hope people are, are hanging in there as best as possible. There's just a lot going on in the world right now. Uh, and it can get difficult. So, um, fortunately, uh, you know, I'm still gainfully employed and, and I've got my health. Uh, and those those are the most important things. Absolutely. And it is, I know it's getting harder and harder, but it is good to remind ourselves of, of what we are lucky enough to, to still have right now in these very trying times in our country. Um, so glad to hear that you are well. And uh, obviously you are still gainfully employed because you're cranking out great content for The Athletic right now, despite the fact that the Bulls are in this weird, like, dormant purgatory. Um, but So before we get to the, the questions about whether or not we see the Bulls play some kind of Delete 8 tournament uh, later on this fall, we have to first get to the column you wrote uh, late last week, um, which I enjoyed and also drove me crazy. And I feel like that's probably how a lot of Bulls fans saw it, because you, you, you posed the simple question in your column, why is Jim Boylan still the Bulls head coach? And you started with this quote, from Bulls chairman and owner Jerry Reinsdorf, you can't let your liking of a person cause you to keep somebody in the job who shouldn't be in the job, which is just the perfect way to 
kind of set up all the points you make in the column, which begs the question, if it isn't about liking the person, why is the person still here based on their merits? Is that kind of what you were trying to, to set up with that quote? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was kind of a quote that, as I alluded to in the article, um, it, it was one that came from two months ago and was about Jerry Krause. And I just wanted to ask Jerry Reinsdorf his thoughts on loyalty and sports. Uh, you know, depending on your perspective, people think loyalty and sports is, is one of the worst things you can, you can have as an owner, as a manager, uh, you know, a hiring manager uh, at a high level in a franchise. And so I just wanted to pick his brain about it because, you know, there's obviously a long-standing um, belief that he's been too loyal to people. And I had no idea that we'd get here in late July and it would resonate so much with Jim Boylan still being the head coach. Uh, and I just thought it fit perfectly with everything that's going on right, right now with uh, the, the questions and the, and the mystery surrounding why he is, in fact, still coaching in the Bulls. And then you follow it up with the, you know, the the quote from Karnaschovas when he was making his first chat with with uh, media availability, talking about how he wanted to proceed, and that you know he's he was aware of the fact that people were anxious to see him make a lot of moves and a lot of changes right away as soon as he came in and took power. Uh, but that he wasn't going to just, you know, make decisions for the sake of, uh, you know, satisfying the excitement of decisions and changes to be made. You know, I take the weight of my decisions seriously is what he said, as you noted in your column. So I think for me and for plenty of level-headed Bulls fans, we, we were okay with the patient approach knowing that, especially while we were waiting on word of whether or not the Bulls would be involved in a league restart, that they weren't going to do something as hasty as firing Jim Boylan because such a thing would give them the opportunity to evaluate him further. But with the flurry of moves that he made right away, dismissing Gar, hiring not only Eversley, but J.J. Polk and Pat Connolly, Bulls fans, I think, were kind of expecting, okay, well, Jim's clearly next, right? And and not only next, but soon. Here we are several months later, and he's still around. Are, are you also confused by, by that timeline of decisions and actions by AK, or are you still understanding, in it, at least in part, as to why the boiling part hasn't happened yet? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the longer we go, the more I understand what's happening. And it's simple. They don't want to pay this guy in the middle of a global pandemic where they're not going to have revenue. Um, and, and I think it's just as simple as that. The, the other side of it is Artur knows that ownership likes Jim Boylan, that they want him, him to have a fair shot, that they think that he can be the coach of the Bulls. Um, so with those two things, I can understand why he hasn't pulled the trigger. Uh, I've also heard, and I think you even alluded to it on, on some previous episodes, Matt, where the, the sooner he pulls that on Jim Boylan, the, the, the sooner the clock starts on him. Uh, right now, this is still John Paxson and Gar Foreman's. Um, this is still their show that they put together. And if he pulls the trigger on Jim Boylan and brings in a new coach, now all eyes shift to Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley and, and the job that they that they're now doing. So from those standpoints, I get it. That doesn't mean I have to like it. That doesn't mean it's the right decision. It's not. Uh, but if we're talking about finances, 
uh, and I've said this before, I, I grew up, you know, under the belief that you never count another man's pockets. And so with Jerry Reinsdorf claiming to lose nine figures between the Sox and the Bulls, I can completely understand why he wouldn't want to throw away money, uh, firing a coach and bringing in another coach and only to pay him. And games aren't being played and fans aren't going to be there uh, to bring in some of that revenue. So from that standpoint, it makes sense, but it doesn't mean it's the right decision. Yeah, I mean, I think that is something that that Bulls fans heard recently that just made a lot of us roll our eyes, especially the the stuff that we heard from Jerry about, oh, the the nine-figure losses, as you just mentioned. Um, Chicagoans and people all over the country right now are are struggling to pay their rent and put food on the table and provide for their families. So when you hear a multi-billionaire, you know, owner of multiple sports franchises talk about, oh, yeah, it's going to be a really tough year. We're losing out on all this expected revenue because fans aren't coming through the turnstiles. And that's the reason that we might pinch pennies and cut corners and keep an incompetent coach in his chair for an extra year. Like every Bulls fan around the world listens to that and says, are you freaking kidding me? Like how tone deaf can you be, especially in these specific very trying times that we're all trying to live through and survive through? That being one of the reasons to keep Jim Boylan for an extra year makes makes no sense to me. And and I I just I'm sorry. It's it's hard to have sympathy for a billionaire. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) This this is a normal time. just with everything going on with the um, pandemic, with um, you know, who knows how much money they're losing from a television revenue standpoint. Um, and they're not even <laughs> the season, not even a part of the 22 team restart. Again, I don't, I'm not going to sit up here and defend Jim Boylan. I'm not going to defend uh, the decision. And I think it's the right decision. It's not my money. And, yeah, I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf is loaded. But I, I can understand when you're faced with the the gravity of every we root, we, we enjoy, we, we chronicle. But they're the ones who've got to cut the checks. And – just the everything, just the, the practical side of me just looks at it and says, how do you atone for that? How do you recoup that lost revenue? And since to then throw away more money getting rid of someone when games aren't being played. If they knew that they were going to play and start up again in September, you know, late September as, as traditional calendars, you know, allow in the NBA – That'd be one thing, but we don't even know if they're going to be able to start up in in December as the league is scheduling. So um, there's just so much uncertainty. And and one thing, Matt, I really don't want to do is defend Jim Boylan. And I don't like that you're making me do it to a degree. (laughs) I I do not appreciate you for that. I I, I do understand the financial component. That's That's the one excuse I will give. Jerry Reinsdorf and the ownership, if that is the reason, and I believe that as the days go on, that there can only be that reason. Uh, Yeah, they like him. Yeah, they think that, you know, he can be the coach of this team. But beyond that, I think the far greater reason is that this financial component is serious regardless of how loaded Jerry Reinsdorf might be. 
Well, I, let me say, Darnell, I know that Jim has been haunting your dreams recently. I saw that tweet of yours, so I'm not, I'm not trying. I promise I'm not trying to make you defend him. Um, you know, the, uh, we'll get, I want to touch on the, the thing you said about the whole, like, you know, AK being on the clock or starting the clock of, of ownership evaluating his role and that having uh, an effect on his decision about Jim. But because we're, you know, talking on the money, let's stay on the money for a second. There's something that I've been thinking about when it comes to Jerry Reinsdorf and trying to put myself in his head about, okay, if this is about money and we're all losing money right now, we need to be thinking about ways to save money right now and keeping Jim Boylan around and not paying two coaches is one way to do that. I thought that if the fan base is shoved, you know, if, if, if Jim Boylan is shoved down the fan base's throat for another season, even if, as you said, potentially in the 2021 season, they're still not letting fans through the turnstiles. Think of the conceivable long-term financial effects of pissing off the, the, fan, the fan base so much. The fan base that you were just maybe starting to earn back their trust by finally dismissing Gar and stuffing John Paxson in a closet and putting new outside voices in charge to then say, well, for reasons X, Y, and Z, we're going to keep Jim. How much, how much potential merchandise revenue do you miss out on? By losing fans because they say, you know what, F you for this ridiculous decision. And does that equate or even go beyond paying Jim an extra $3 million to go away? See, I go the other way on that. Um, And my view is if fans were allowed in the building, if we knew for sure that they were going to be allowed in the building for 2021, then, yeah, you you run the risk of, of, of pushing even more away in droves. Um, but since there's no guarantee that fans are going to be there anyway, that's even more of a reason in my mind for them to say, let's just roll with what we have as opposed to paying out the last two years of his contract. And by the way, giving this other guy a new four or five year deal. So, uh, if fans were allowed to be in the building, I could understand that argument. Uh, And I've, you know, thought that myself, like, why would they run the risk of doing more damage and driving people away but if people can't come anyway into the building, what difference does it make if you're them? Yeah, so I, I see that logic where it's essentially like, all right, well, we're going to just kind of punt on this 2021 season that might also be weird and we're not going to be able to get fans in the, in the building anyway. And let's just start fresh with the new front office and their handpicked guy after another year of gym. Like I, I get the bare-boned logic to it, but I also at the same time ask why not dismiss Jim knowing that, as you yourself pointed out in your column, Darnell, there are plenty of players in this young Bulls core right now that have had and expressed various issues with Jim Boylan and have butted heads with him about a lot of different things. Uh, you know, most recently we heard uh, uh, Daniel Gafford on his Twitch stream saying like, yeah, Jim Boylan, he's all right, I guess, but clearly not very subtly saying he's not a big fan of the guy. He butts heads with Zach Levine. Kobe White has had issues with what Jim Boylan has asked of him his rookie year. Wendell Carter Jr. regressed. Lowry Markinen regressed. They're not happy with their roles on this team. What would be the harm, nay, I would say a benefit, to dismiss Jim 
and put a some something between interim and one-year head coaching label on Chris Fleming's head for the 2021 season to say he's already familiar with the roster. He and Karnaschovas have a pre-existing business relationship from a previous NBA franchise. And then you get rid of the, the wart that is Jim Boylan. You get rid of the storm cloud that is Jim Boylan without breaking the bank on a new fancy expensive head coach, but actually saying, okay, Chris Fleming, try and do some things better. Try and see if we can develop this young talent while we evaluate this young talent. So in a following year, when we're getting ready for 2021 free agency class, and we know what we have with this young core, then we can really swing for the fences. To me, like that seems like a logical path forward that also allows you to get rid of Jim, who just has so many you know, blisters and warts all over it. Now you're speaking my language, Matt, <laughs> because the thing, the thing as I view it is you're wasting time with him. You know right. he's not going to be your long-term solution. You know the players don't really buy into what he's trying to build and, and his way of doing things. Um, and so why would you then continue to waste time giving him this shot and giving him control of, of your roster? To me, go get whoever you want to say, Chris Fleming, Roy Rogers, uh, you know, Emil Doka, whoever, I don't care. But let them implement their system. Let them implement their way of doing things and their philosophies and try to get the ball rolling toward 2021 and beyond as opposed to wasting another year under Jim Boylan when it's clear that not only so many players have issues with him, but Jim Boylan has a laundry list of issues himself when it comes to just basic basketball tactics. So to me, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. Um, The more I analyze it, though, that financial component is real, and this is a situation that we've never seen before, and we're likely, um, I hope, to never see again. So Things just aren't aren't normal, so to speak, in, in this climate. We're talking with Darnell Mayberry, the Bulls senior writer for The Athletic here on Locked on Bulls. Follow him on Twitter, at Darnell Mayberry. Darnell, I mean, the other thing I really enjoyed about your column last week is that, you know, you, you point out the the hypotheticals of why is he still here, and then you just go to, by the way, in case we forgot, here's what Jim has done as the head coach of this team taking over for Fred last season and then through, you know, three quarters of this season. A 317 winning percentage, an 0-21 record against the top eight teams in the mediocre at best Eastern Conference this season, 2-23 and against 500-plus teams this season, and also, of course, your your bullet point list of some of the, the boiling highlights or lowlights, you would probably more appropriately call them, you know, the, the franchise worst loss to the Celtics and the double-lose quote, uh, benching Zach Levine to prove a point, uh, and then failing to point out specifically the egregious defensive mistakes that he cited in his post-game press conference, losing to the league-worst Warriors and saying there's no shame in this, and that, you know, I'm not worried about my record or my win-loss record when it comes to my job performance and how my bosses are evaluating me. All, all of the things about Jim Boylan, the coach, let alone whether or not his players are in love with him, it like speak to why does AK need to give him further evaluation? As an NBA coach, he has a 317 winning record. And AK has said himself, and I like that you point, pointed this out in your column as well, we're not going to use injuries and youth as excuses anymore. 
And then just last week, Jim Boylan, and to his credit, was doing some community outreach thing in his hometown of Grand Rapids, Michigan, did an interview, and once again cited excuses that were namely injuries and youth. So you put all these things together, and it continues to beg the question, what does AK still need to evaluate? Can he not simply watch the tape of what Jim Boylan tried to do and failed to do as the head coach of this team? Here's my question to you, Matt. Did I miss anything? Jeez. Uh, uh, among those five high, low lights, and we're going to call them low lights, I, one of them was a three-game winning streak. we got to give him credit for that three-game winning streak. Oh, yeah, that, that was last season, right? And it was like <laughs> – and, and it had the all-star break in it, like smashed in the middle of it. So it, was, it didn't three even feel like a three-game like winning a, streak. Over like 11 days. Oh, my God. I mean, like, um, our pal Gustavo, who's a huge Bulls fan on Twitter, I'm sure, you know, he's interacted with you a couple times. He had a poll just yesterday that was like, you know, what was Jim Boylan's worst mistake as the head coach of the Bulls? And there were four or five options. And, and my first thought was like, do you, you need a poll that has 85 different options because it seemed like ev- every loss this season as we progressed, and I know that you wrote about this once earlier on the season, was be, became immediately in the competition for quote worst loss of the season, and w- whether yeah. it was coughing up late leads or gross mismanagement of timeouts and rotations, th- there were too many Jim Boylan moments to figure out what is the craziest worst thing that's done, and it's and it's not the first time I've I've thought about this parallel. It's the same way I feel about reading headlines about the president of the United States right now. It's like there there's too much insanity and too many ridiculous missteps and and uh, failures to execute your job that they all just kind of blend together in your brain. Yeah, and 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 some just some context on some of those numbers you listed, those those um, figures. Uh, Three seventeen winning percentage, second worst in Bulls history. Only ahead of Tim Floyd, um, 0 and 23. Um, what was it? Two, no, 2 and 23 against teams above 500, something like that. Right. Uh, worst in the league. Uh, 0 and 18 against the top eight in the East. You know, winless. I mean, these, how do you not get lucky and have one or two wins against the top eight teams in the East? Right. But, yeah, and and the thing is, is like one of those things warrants is a fireable offense. That right. 56-point home loss, how do you lose at home by 56 points? That's a fireable offense. That in and of itself. And then you just keep piling on and piling on, and it's like that's why the question needs to be asked, and, and it frankly needs to continue to be asked. I, I hate to ever pile on to one subject, but if there was ever a time, this is the time. Um, because not just – one offense, but he has multiple, in his words, egregious mistakes, and it's just it's just un, unacceptable. It should be unacceptable, but for whatever reason, the Bulls continue to accept it. Now, the point that that I think is interesting when it comes to things we've heard from the new guys, whether it be AK or Eversley, uh, the point uh, that Eversley made about the player development staff for the Bulls. And if this is maybe one thing that Boylan gets kind of a pass on, and you also mentioned in your column the the whole notion that we've heard from you and other reliable sources that Boylan maybe had his plate a little too full. Um, 
which maybe he took it upon himself to think that he was capable of doing such a big job. You even met, mentioned the, the the quote from from Jerry Reinsdorf that you got Jim Boylan describing what Jerry told him, which was back towards the beginning of this this season. You know, Jerry told me to be the CEO, and we're hearing all these things about, oh yeah, not only is he coaching the team, but he's you know dealing with players' agents and he's dealing with these you know meet and greets with season ticket holders, and like those are the two examples we keep hearing that are supposedly like bogging down Jim Boylan. Oh, and maybe if the new guys just let Jim Boylan focus solely on coaching, he'll prove himself to be a better coach. Personally, I think that's bo- like bullshit. But the fact that he he was like, you know, in charge of so many things and we heard Eversley say, yeah, I was surprised to say or surprised to show up here and see that the Bulls basically had one person on their entire staff that who, whose job was dedicated to player development. Do you think that there's a correlation between that and Jim Boylan's inability or lack of proof of these young players getting better this season? Do you blame that on Jim Boylan? Do you blame that on the Bulls as an organization for not having that be a more important thing, especially for a young rebuilding team? You know, I think I think a lot of it is the culture. Um, you know, we can't just put that on Jim Boylan. Um, you know, it, it starts at the top. Um, you know, we, you talked. we've talked about how um, little things like investing in the front office has been an issue for for this franchise. You know, and Michael Reinsdorf wants, you know, <laughs> it, it's a running joke of how he, you know, bought more monitors for Steve Wyman. It's just like little things that, that don't lead to a, a great culture and a culture of winning. Um, and I think it starts from the top down from, ownership and and management and then you look at coaches and the players need some uh some have a responsibility as well uh you know they've got to take some of the blame as well so i can't just put that on jim boylan um i'm not just going to put that on you know the the staff um i think it's a shared blame uh everyone has a little bit of that onus uh and when you have a winning culture you know things are done in certain ways to to make everything about winning and I just haven't seen that with the Bulls in my three years now three seasons covering them uh, and that needs to change and hopefully you know that's the that's the hope is that our tourist kind of shows us and Mark Eversley come in and instill some of that winning culture instill some of those winning habits and philosophies uh, and, and from all accounts and from what I have been able to gather um, in, in, in the brief time that they've been here they are very business-like executives. They're very professional executives, no-nonsense executives who um, just at first glance, I believe that they're going to come in and and try to do things drastically different than we've seen before. And I think that's going to have a trickle-down effect to where um, if they do what they say that they're setting out to do, this thing is going to turn into a a winning culture, at least have some some winning ways and and some, um, some better philosophies behind some of the things that they do. And I think that's maybe the the part that's even more frustrating for for the fan base to to grasp right now is just the really bad timing of of this global pandemic that has affected professional sports because we have known that this giant market team that is a globally recognizable brand that just is a cash printing machine uh still has always operated as a mom and pop shop small market team and that has always been something that bugs the fan base uh you know the the penny pinching and the tight purse strings 
And it's like, you're the Chicago freaking bulls. You literally print money. Stop acting and behaving this way and dictating your decisions based on money. But because of the gigantic financial hit that the pandemic is, you know, laying the smackdown on on every professional sports team and the Bulls included right now, the timing of the finally overdue front office change just is just like the timing's terrible because we were thinking, okay, we're finally going to get a, you know, open pocketbook from the Reinsdorfs and they're going to say to these new voices, you're the new people in charge. You run it. You know, we messed this up. So you come in and fix it. We are putting our basketball team in your hands. If you need our help, we're here. If you don't want our help, great, even better. So now it's like, and I think maybe the the Jim Boylan's still hanging on and the things and, and the reasons that you and I are discussing about why Jim's still here and might come back next season are all penny pinching things that we have come to expect from this organization. But when we finally got the front office change, we thought maybe finally that is going to change as far as you talking about, you know, winning organizations and winning culture. Cause I, I thought that they needed to just hand over the reins and open the wallet and let AK fill out his staff and do what he wanted to do. And now because of the bulls being worried about money because of this pandemic, we're starting to worry as fans that it might not happen. Yeah. I got a, I got a text from a buddy the other day who was watching that Cubs box is whatever they're calling it, and they, they said the graphic popped up on the screen that said Yasmani Grandal's four-year, $73 million deal was the, the largest in Sox history, and he couldn't believe it. He literally <laughs> could not believe <laughs> that that was the largest deal in Sox history, and baseball and basketball are obviously two vastly different um, structures uh, when it comes to the finances, but um, you know that's not a huge deal. The problem for the Bulls is they've, they've opened the wallet. Go back to that Dwayne Wade contract. Look at the Cristiano Felicio contract, the oh, Jabari Parker God. contract. The problem is that's all bad spending. You know, they, they've yeah. just never been able to put their, have the, have their finger on the, on the pulse properly and spend money appropriately. Um, and once they do that, maybe they'll be in better shape, but they've spent a little bit of money here and there. It's just, being able to make the right decisions, and that's the problem. It just looks like a little bit of a, a clown show, right? You can hear the rest of the conversation on tomorrow's episode, along with a jam-packed mailbag episode, including a bunch of your voicemails and your text messages. You can always leave those for us at 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. So you're burning up about a Bulls question at 3 a.m. You can drop us a voicemail or text message there at 331-979-1369. On Twitter, at LockedOnBulls. On Instagram, at LockedOnBulls. On Facebook, at LockedOnBulls. And at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck on Twitter. Thanks to Darnell Mayberry for spending some time with Matt today. And listen to tomorrow's rest of the conversation with Matt and Darnell as well. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Be safe out there. For Matt and Jordan, we are out. Deuces. Thanks a lot. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. 